Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today is a special interview series I did at a conference called Tonic in Santa Barbara, all about different technology initiatives that are aimed at solving our, the problems with our ocean. So in the context of creativity and stress, we can look at it from many different angles. You know, I, I investigate this on my show, what relationship stress plays in the creative process. And you can look at this from the individual level, or you can also look at it from a collective level. And the ocean is where we evolutionarily were designed. We were designed, we carry oceans within us. Our, our brain is bathed in a liquid solution, very similar to the ocean. Uh, so our earliest ancestors developed inside of the ocean. And the ocean today, as I learned in this conference, uh, m most of the developing world depends on the ocean for its food, uh, and it is becoming more difficult for those people to do that. Uh, so the ocean is, and in many ways, one of our largest creative assets as a species. Uh, some maybe would even say as important as the sun. Um, sun probably is the most creative asset we have. Um, uh, and so we as a species are part putting stress, lots and lots of stress on this creative asset, the ocean. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have the statistics with me right now, but estimates by 2050, we 90% of the, of the fish stocks, the natural fish, wild fish stocks are going to be gone. Um, add that climate change to this, and and it's a, you know, it's a real problem that we're facing. And so this conference tonic was about ways that we can solve it using technology. I learned a lot. Uh, this first episode is going to be with Mary Crowley, uh, and it really sets up the problem because um, the main problem is that the ocean is a collective commons. Nobody owns the ocean. Uh, so because nobody owns the ocean, there are very few incentives for any one country to uh, police it. And this is one of the main challenges that we're going to face. We're going to have to figure out how to actually collectively view the ocean as one of our most important resources in order to save it before we destroy it. Um, and so this, this episode, it's a shorter episode than I normally do, and it really sets up the problem that we're, we're facing, that there's a lot of trash in the ocean. Uh, and Mary has done a lot of work for the last 10 years and figure out how to get rid of that trash, uh, what to do with that trash. Uh, and she has some interesting insights here. So I really hope you, hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, and I just wanted to give another shout out to uh, Anders Jones, who I'll be uh, collaborating with on an online course upcoming, uh, and it's for startup round startup founders who are looking to raise their seed stage or Series A for a distributed team. Uh, we'll be running an online course. Uh, Anders uh, raised forty million dollars in his Series A, so he has a lot of valuable information of what it's like to raise money in 2018, 2019. Uh, it's a live online course, It'll be Monday and Friday. Uh, it is application only, so if you do want to apply, please find my blog, stuartalsop.substack.com. I will be including information on how you can go ahead and apply for this. Um, and yeah, really, uh, we'd love to have you. Um, so please let me know what your thoughts are on this episode. Have a great day. <clears throat> Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. I'm doing a special series here at Tonic uh, where we're talking about ocean conservation and I've got with me today Mary Crowley, the founder of Ocean Voyages Institute in, uh, in Sausalito. I'm really excited to have you on here. Um, ah, a pleasure. Yeah. So we're just talking briefly about, about you work a lot with trash and kind of uh, getting trash out of the ocean. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing? 
absolutely. Mm. We've been uh, in this space, so to speak, for 10 years. Mm. I'm a lifelong sailor, sailed over 110,000 miles, mm. yacht chartering business where I send people all over the world. Mm. And increasingly, the message came through, oh my Lord, we saw miles of trash mm. out in the middle of the ocean or we were at a uninhabited island in the Tuamotus or in Indonesia mm. and it was all full of trash on the beaches mm. and so in my lifetime of exploring the world's oceans I've seen this tremendous change mm. and it's my thesis and we recently did a, a trip that really proved that mm that professional maritime industry equipment mm. can be adapted and innovations added to do cleanup. While you're sailing? Or While you're sailing or by oh, motor ships. Stuff. Yes, mm -hmm. using all the resources oh, and knowledge. Yeah. So we don't really need to, need to wait. Yeah. Uh -huh. We can clean up the oceans right now. Very cool. And we just did a 25-day trip where we left Hawaii, mm. and for this trip, we used a wonderful sailing cargo schooner. Very cool. And so this 140-foot ship had a 200-ton cargo hold. Mm. And we, you know, we've done various expeditions to the gyre, or as it's called, the garbage patch, mm. though it's no patch. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a big expanse of ocean. Mm. And um, finding the debris can be difficult. Mm. And so we uh, worked with a company called Pacific Gyre, and we created these GPS satellite tags that we gave to all different vessels that were crossing this expanse of ocean, mm. saying, please, if you see big ghost nets, tag them. Mm. And that allowed us to follow where they went, and we worked with wonderful uh, people at the University of Hawaii, mm -hmm. Dr. Nikolai Maximenko and Jan Hofner, and they're modelers. And mm -hmm. so even without our satellite debris, they had been modeling ocean currents and debris distribution and helping us in our previous trips find debris mm. but now, now they got data and now you're giving them data and now they can build that model to find out where might where else it might be yes mm. and so when we had this schooner cargo schooner oh, cool. sail out mm. we could direct it right to tag nets and it was our thesis that where there's one net there's, there's going to be more in that same area mm. And that turned out to be very true. So it was a very effective 25-day expedition, mm. and it was quite amazing to watch in Honolulu as we unloaded 42 tons, probably about two tons of consumer plastics and about 40 tons of ghost nets. And what are ghost nets for my listeners who don't know? Okay, ghost nets, great question. Uh -huh. I forget. Most people don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ghost nets are derelict fishing gear. Uh -huh. And they're called ghost nets because they continue to fish and kill. So they're lost by boats or mm -hmm. boats cut them off. Uh, illegal boats 
are a big problem. If somebody comes close to them, they'll cut their nets. So there's the UN says there's six uh, hundred um, tons that go in every year, and there's a lot in there from the last years. So there's tremendous amounts to clean up. And so, um, you know, they're really killing machines. Yeah. They kill whales, porpoises, turtles, fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like that anybody's eating it either because it's out in the ocean just collecting fish and then the fish just die in there. And exactly. I mean, sometimes other ocean creatures eat them. Mm-hmm. I mean, people always say, mm-hmm. oh, do you find lots of struggling mm-hmm. uh fish in the nets uh, and and you don't uh, because the other fish eat because, them because other fish eat them or they decompose mm-hmm. uh, for example on this trip we found one you know head and beginning of the body of a big swordfish mm-hmm. so we found the sword mm-hmm. and the, but the rest of it, rest was, of it uh-huh. was gone uh-huh. and uh, but they also kill reefs mm. because they go against reefs and mm. they smother the reefs, mm. they harm ships. So they're, they're real menaces. And so you've got, the, you've got this technology that can be adapted to any boat, is that correct? Uh, yes, well, the, mm. the, putting out the GPS satellite t- trackers is something we, anybody that's interested mm can do can contact us start to mark and and then then that helps the mm -hmm. whole process Mm -hmm. in terms of the boats doing the actual pickup Mm -hmm. you need boats that have good capacity Mm -hmm. and you need boats that have lifting equipment Mm -hmm. because you know there's pieces of net that we get out that are only two three hundred pounds but there's pieces that are Mm -hmm. five tons Just one five-ton clump of trash. Of trash. Yeah. But what, what it is, the five tons mm. may be 12 nets uh, because the nets roll over, they capture fish, mm, they capture plastics. Yeah. They, and they put it all into one clump, and then, yes. then you have to lift the entire clump. You can't, let, you can't break it apart in the ocean. Yeah. No. Mm. So you need a boat that has good lifting ability. I mean, we have other, you know, from our 42 tons this year, mm. Our plan is scaling up mm-hmm. 10 to 15 times for next year because cool. it was a real proof of concept awesome. trip yeah. and we know we can do it. But we'll also be fishing for plastics mm-hmm. because if you're looking at what you do look at, mm-hmm. you know, ocean areas where suddenly there'll be 4,000 laundry detergent bottles mm-hmm. or there'll be packing straps or there'll be beer and soft drink crates and mm. there'll be buckets and you know the ocean kind of sorts sometimes you have a mixed bag depending how long mm. things have been there or sometimes you'll have lots of like items and so adapting fishing nets mm. so the fishermen can be stewards uh, of the ocean the and time. you can be paying fishermen to clean the ocean give fishing a break let fishing stocks become begin to flourish more Mm -hmm. and in a cleaner environment because the plastics are toxic to the ocean creatures and they're toxic to us us. they get into the food chain yeah we're eating the fish and the fish are eating the plastic so it's like us the wrong kind of circular economy where we're where we're eating what we're what we're essentially polluting as well exactly exactly 
And so today they've been talking about some interesting stuff. A lot of this is actually coming from South Asia and Southeast Asia where they don't have the infrastructure to deal with some of the trash that they're doing and stuff like that. Um, and so this is all under the theme of, of stress and creativity because we've got this large uh, source of creative value that we've gotten from the ocean for our entire existence as human beings. And it's now, as human beings, what we do is we kind of overtake the environment and we stress it. And so we're now stressing the ocean. And the major problem they've been talking about today is that the ocean is part of the collective commons. So no one country owns it. And so it's basically, there are no laws. It's an anarchy, basically. What do you think about this in terms of stress and creativity and, and where, where are we headed? What, what's, what is the situation now? Whatever you want to talk about, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, my good friend and mentor, Sylvia Earle, mm -hmm. when um, you know, she's asked, what's the biggest problem and stress for the ocean? Uh, yeah. you know, is it overfishing? Is it chemicals? Is it plastics? Mm -hmm. And she always says it's ignorance <laughs> because yeah. the ocean actually is the source of two-thirds of our oxygen. Mm. You know, the rainforests produce oxygen, but mm. the ocean covering so much of the planet mm. produces even more. Mm. And so and one way of thinking of it is two out of three breaths we take. And so, you know, whether you're living inland mm. or on the ocean, mm. The ocean has a lot to do with the health of the planet and therefore our health. Mm. And, and one thing to backtrack, there has been a lot of emphasis on the problems in Asia, and that's certainly true. But just to give some perspective, um, you know, I, there may be some small operations, I hope, starting up, but over the last years, there's been no plastic recycling in California. Mm -hmm. All the mm -hmm. plastics in California were being shipped either to places in the southeast or most of them to China. Mm -hmm. And China doesn't even want them. Mm -hmm. There's not plastic recycling in Central America or in South America. So there's tremendous volumes of plastic mm -hmm. going into the oceans all over the world. Yeah. So I, I'm a big one to say, not, not point any fingers, mm. it's all of us. And so all of us have to be part of relieving the stress yeah. of changing our ways mm. of being dynamically creating a healthier ocean. And why is it that California stopped recycling? Because we were recycling at one point and we just stopped recycling? Well, we recycle, huh. I, I mean, there are good recycling programs. The city of San Francisco yeah. has a great recycling program. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I don't know. I should ask mm -hmm. when I next talk to them. Yeah. But I don't know exactly where they're sending their plastics. I'm sure they're sending it someplace. So I was just uh, saying that, you know, I feel that part of the solution is more recycling industries. For example, when I brought in the trash to Hawaii, I was able to give about a ton and a half to local artists who will make sculptures and paintings and do education. And some of it went to the graduate art program at the University of Hawaii. I'm sure they'll do fun things with it. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest of it went to 
a program that's called Nets to Energy that NOAA started, where it goes to Snickter Steel, and then it goes to H Power. So it's turned into uh, Hawaii Power. And so it's turned into energy to power homes in Hawaii. Oh, interesting. But that really was our only choice. Uh, I mean, it's a good choice. But if I had been in Europe, I could have taken some of the nets to be made into rugs. I could have taken some of them to be made into other sorts of products. So Europe has an industry already of, of turning recycled goods into products. Yes. And America doesn't have that? Uh, or it's smaller. It's smaller. Yeah. Okay. And uh, certainly Hawaii doesn't have mm. it currently. Interesting. There's talks of things happening, and I feel it could be wonderful ways to create jobs and cleanup mm. to develop good recycling throughout the Pacific Islands. Mm. And that's interesting because that gets into establishing a new economy, essentially, and in, in, in building jobs and building ways that people can, incentivizing people to do this type of work, essentially, because we're doing that with, with carbon. We're starting to do that with carbon, or we've done it for a while now. Uh, but with the oceans, it seems like less people are aware of the issues with the oceans. Like, I've, I've known about the plastic for a while. A lot of people know about it. Somebody was mentioning that, that in that sparked off my head was that uh you know somebody you a lot of people here probably were thinking okay how do we get people aware of this and so people are aware of it now in the same way that people are aware of climate change like 30 years ago but they don't they're 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 aware of it but they don't there's not the action piece right now and so i think what you're talking about is key is is how to incentivize the action among people who who need jobs or things like that Mm -hmm. do you know of anything going on like that You know, I think there's a variety of people aware of it, Mm. and it's something that we certainly intend to try to help seed and establish Mm. because there's, you know, all sorts of different models, Mm. and I believe we need many types of solutions. Mm. But if one had, you know, island people, everything gets shipped to them wrapped in plastic, Mm. and plastics wash up from the ocean and if there was a way that for example if they saved their plastics and you had a ship that could convert plastics to fuel that did a regular cycle through the islands so it you know we'll be here every three months Mm. and the people would save their plastics Mm. get it turned into fuel Mm. because fuel is very needed in some of these remote parts of the world it's very expensive Mm -hmm. i mean though i'd rather see them using solar power and they can do that Mm -hmm. but you know a lot of them want to uh, have boat transportation and need fuel for outboards Mm -hmm. and variety of things Mm -hmm. so um you know there's so much it's like it's our trash out there and we certainly have the knowledge and technologies to clean it up. It's just creating the will and the money and then making it valuable. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. But one thing is having it become more, which Europe also has, mm-hmm. of a real cost economy. Yeah. So in other words, it may be very cheap to make throw away plastics which I think we should not use for anything yeah, at all expensive. Yeah. 
But, you know, if you considered the cost of retrieving those from nature mm. and, and, that into the price. and recycling yeah. it, they, yeah. they wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good thing, throwaway yeah. plastic. So yeah. it's definitely not a good thing for the environment. Mm. We have to make it something that's not good economically yeah, as well. Exactly. And it's, so it, not, it's not good for us either because we're all eating, we're already consuming these plastics through the fish or through the water like it's all just seeping back into our bodies already and you know probably leading to all sorts of cancer and disease and and stuff like that so it's like it's a way of making that really connecting it in ways that people don't realize that like what they're what they're carrying their stuff around is also ending up back in their bodies as well Um, exactly i mean i i dr john mccusker i remember years ago saying an example he thought of Mm -hmm. his his first trips to Indonesia, mm. you know, they'd serve food on uh, a banana leaf. Yep. Mm-hmm. And when people were through, they'd throw their banana leaf into the river mm-hmm. or into the ocean, mm-hmm. which wasn't any problem mm-hmm. because it just degraded. Yeah. But that habit, mm-hmm. once you have mm-hmm. nasty plastics, yeah. they're there forever and they're poisonous. I mean, Plastics actually have a way of absorbing any bad chemicals Mm. that are around. Mm. And so when fish are eating them, or we're eventually eating them, they have not only the chemicals that they were made with, but they have other chemicals they may Some have absorbed. Some of which absorbed. are like organic or, you know, even organic chemicals that are in nature. They're just absorbing the plastic and then putting it back in our bodies. Do you know anything about how uh, bio, like, that are bacteria that are being trained to eat plastic? Well, I, mm-hmm. I'm chairing a, a panel today okay. about solutions for plastic. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the panelists seems to have some good ideas. So, I mean, one thing I like about this conference mm-hmm. is I hope to meet people that are working on variety of solutions. I feel like I know how to remove it from the ocean. Mm-hmm. I need financial backing removing it from the ocean, mm-hmm. but I have a wonderful think tank of naval architects, marine engineers, oceanographers. Mm-hmm. We've been looking at this for quite some time. We have good removal solutions, and I want to also find the best recycling, repurpose solutions, mm-hmm. so we're doing what's best all the way through. Yeah, so that we're attacking the problem from multiple different angles, basically. Yeah. Exactly, and I believe very much in upstream mm-hmm. solutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe we have to stop the flow of mm-hmm. plastics. Mm-hmm. I just feel I'm in a unique position because I've sailed all over the world and I've been involved in the maritime industry mm-hmm. And I think through my knowledge of oceans and my knowledge of the industry and different types of equipment and my think tank, you know, we can utilize the resources we have to be doing dynamic cleanup. And that's why I feel confident of scaling up what we did this year to 10 or 15 times the size. Mm -hmm. However, we may be doing cleanups in other parts of the world as well. Mm. We've been requested to do things in the Atlantic off of Honduras and Guatemala. Mm. 
I think there's a lot to do in Fiji, Seychelles, Indonesia. I went to the UN conference on oceans several years ago, mm. and um, it was wonderful for me since it's my passion to do this mm. to hear the secretary of the environment say that he thought ocean plastics were the biggest environmental mm. issue because the oceans is our ecosystem that's in the most trouble and so and also the, the least ownership the people have the least ownership over it seems like as well um, yes but I, I you know I guess I, I feel lucky because I've sailed the world so I've always considered myself yeah. a global citizen mm -hmm. and I see my daughter and her friends are all over the world mm -hmm. so I mean I think young people yeah, today yeah. know that you know this is our planet mm -hmm. and we need to take good care of it mm -hmm. and we want to help the whole planet mm -hmm. and keep it healthy it's I, you know, it was interesting hearing the discussions about property rights and investments mm -hmm. because I don't know of a better investment we can make mm -hmm. than keeping our ocean healthy for future generations. And I think that's important to bring up the property rights. They were The point was that they were saying that the reason why there's so much... Uh, in land management, there's so much in, uh, investment going into it is because we have property structures that allow people to invest their money into it. But the reason we don't have it for oceans is because nobody owns the ocean. But in places that you do have property rights in the ocean, there are these opportunities. So it's about how, to, how do we think clearly, how do we use our imagination, and also incentive structures to establish property rights for the ocean so we can start to invest into these things and have actual outcomes, basically, yeah, which are really interesting. Well, as long as they're investments that are good for the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of uh, types of harvesting from the ocean yeah. mm -hmm. that are really terrible. And that's and probably it, most of the investments to date. So, so I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the more the ocean gets divided up um, as a resource, mm -hmm. We don't even know enough about oceans yeah, this is a to thing. do the right management of them. And so dividing them up and doing deep sea mining and mm. all of these things, mm. I just think, you know, there's all these creatures in the ocean that we're still discovering. Yep. Yeah, we know. And we, I mean, I've heard it said before, I don't know if it's true, but we know less about the the deep ocean than we do about the moon. That's, That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think if we understand our world, mm -hmm. we know how important the ocean ecosystem is, mm -hmm. let alone, you know, for the people that are lucky enough to kayak and swim and yeah. scuba dive and sail and explore. Mm -hmm. But uh, our ocean is pretty important to the health of the planet. Mm -hmm. and well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people find out more about what you're, um, what you're working on and the institute you've created? Yes, we have a website, mm -hmm. um, oceanvoyagesinstitute.org. Our offices are right in Sausalito. People are welcome to call. The number's one 415 
332-4681. So I'll say it once more. It's hard <laughs> yeah. for people to get numbers. 1-415-332-4681. And really something I always say when I'm speaking is one great thing about this is we can actually all be ocean heroes mm. by just educating ourselves and slightly changing our habits. Mm -hmm. You know, bringing your own coffee mug, um, you know, bringing your own bags, uh, little things, not using straws made out of plastic. Mm -hmm. You know, there's little behavior changes that actually make life better. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're having a party, mm -hmm. you know, have glasses that you serve drinks in mm -hmm. and you know, have a couple extra sets in your garage or closet. Mm. Who wants to drink out of plastic, plastic cups? cups? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I mean, life without throwaway plastics is actually better. I mean, there's some differences in medical industry. Mm. Plastics are a miracle. I'm not against plastics. Mm -hmm. uh, plastics can be used for railroad ties and construction and mm -hmm. all sorts of permanent things mm -hmm. that just shouldn't be a throwaway yeah, commodity. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Well, actually, well, one, one more quick question. Is there, is there a replacement technology that for plastics? Like if somebody was talking about biodegradable straws, is there something like that that people are starting to create as well for one-time use kind of things? I, I think there are lots okay. of options. Yeah. Um, and the, the important thing, and I think it's something that will happen, mm -hmm. is choosing things. I mean, some people talk about biodegradable plastics, mm -hmm. but they have the same bad chemicals. No, they yeah. only degrade in specific waste streams yeah. at specific uh, temperatures. Uh -huh. So there's a lot of replacements that I would cast a lot of questions yeah. at okay. but the the more using bamboo for some things is sustainable uh, they were talking about straws made out of kelp okay. that sounds great yeah. I think there's straws made out of sugar cane I mean I think there's a lot of different things happening and that's what's so great we get to innovate mm. and make things that are better for us and better for the planet. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay, thank you. A pleasure. Hope you enjoyed this shorter episode with Mary Crawley that I did about uh, our collective resource of the ocean and what we can do to solve it. Uh, and if you liked this, this episode, I release episodes every Monday and Friday before your morning commute. Uh, so on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, um, and I also have a YouTube channel, at, uh, which you can also find by searching for Crazy Wisdom. Uh, you can find me on all those channels for Crazy Wisdom. Uh, uh, the main thing I discuss on this show is the relationship between stress and creativity, what role stress plays in the creative process. But as you can see from this episode, it's a pretty broad topic, and I go into a lot of different topics. Uh, I also investigate the relationship between technology and spirituality, what role spirituality plays in technology, um, and as these, as technology becomes more impactful in our lives, what will that do to our spiritual practices? Um, 
and a lot of other stuff. So I hope you enjoy this. If you do enjoy it, please let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Stuart Allsop, I-I-I. I uh, really hope you enjoy what I'm doing.